welcome back to Trennis Magnus, Jab's Reality, a podcast vacation presented by Two True Freaks. I'm your host, Magnus, and I want to say it was probably a week ago or something like that, I posted on the Facebook group that there probably wouldn't be any more episodes released before the end of 2018, which I guess that's more or less accurate. But basically, I just didn't see a chance to uh, record too much of anything in the very near future. And so here I am recording this right now because I finally got a chance to see the 2018 Halloween film. And honestly, I wasn't really uh, expecting to get a chance to see it before the end of the year. I was also, as I say... Uh, not expecting to be able to record anything, at least not anytime soon, and so, uh, nevertheless, here we are. Now, I gave, uh, I don't know, not like, my origin story and also a little bit of my history with the Halloween series of movies in a previous episode of Trennis Magnus Jab's Reality, so... If that interests you, I do recommend tracking that tracking that episode down and give it a listen because I mean to repeat too much of that stuff here it would be kind of a kind of a retread but the long and the short of it is I don't really consider myself to be a, like a big horror movie kind of guy or a big slasher movie kind of guy but for some reason and I don't know what the reason is, but for some reason, there's something about the Halloween series that, or at least maybe it's Michael Myers in particular, The Shape. There's something about this film series that I just kind of like. I don't get it, but here we are. And so when... When I found out that there was going to be another Halloween movie that was released in 2018, I think my reaction kind of mirrored a lot of Halloween movie fans in that, I mean, I don't know this to be true, but I get the idea that a lot of Halloween fans, all they want really is a movie that doesn't suck. I mean... Any new Halloween movie that gets released, we all know that it's not going to be the greatest Halloween movie that there's ever been. We know this. Because we all know what the greatest Halloween movie that's ever been is. So, honestly, I think the most that any of us really want is something... And I mean, you know, we're talking like pie in the sky, by and by. This is what we want from a Halloween movie. We just want something that can that's worthy of being called the second greatest Halloween movie ever. And at the risk of being presumptuous or, uh, or worse yet, speaking out of turn and speaking on behalf of a fan base that, I mean, do I really belong in? You know, I mean, is it really fair to categorize me as a Halloween fan? I don't know. But... Uh, that that I that at least describes what what I want from insert new Halloween movie here. You know, can this be the second best Halloween movie of all time? You know, that's really all I'm asking for. And 
for as minimal as those expectations might be, it's, it's, it's hard going, you know? Now, like I say, when I, when I did my, uh, Trinus Magnus Jabs reality episode back in October about various and sundry Halloween films, I made a, I made a point, uh, of... Again, I want to be careful how I say this, but basically, I, I, it was a priority to me that I make clear to you guys that that while I enjoy these movies, really, there's only one Halloween movie that's part of my canon, right? Which is the first Halloween movie. That's the canon to me, you know? No offense to anything that came later, but... To me, that stuff is not canon. That stuff, I mean, it's interesting to think about, or maybe it's, an, uh, it's a kind of a compelling thought experiment or something like that. But the canon of Halloween movies, and this was the point that I made in my last Halloween episode, the canon of Halloween begins with the first Halloween movie, and it concludes with the first Halloween movie. And... That's just me, all right? I'm not saying that anybody else has to abide by that, you know, because it is worth saying that Halloween is probably the one film franchise that's going that depends on somebody's headcanon. And I guess a good example of what I mean is every single Halloween movie that's ever been made can't possibly be part of somebody's canon, right? There will necessarily be movies that are included in your canon, which means that other movies are not included in in your canon, right? For example, if Halloween's 4, 5, and 6 are part of your headcanon, that kind of means that Halloween H2O is excluded from your headcanon. Or if Halloween H2O is included in your headcanon, then... Conversely, Halloween's 4, 5, and 6 cannot be part of your your headcanon, right? And, you know, going into this thing, I think it's fair to ask, is 2018, is Halloween 2018 part of my headcanon? And the way that it is right now, I'm going to have to err on the side of caution and say no. But if ever there was a movie that could be part of my Halloween headcanon, uh, guys, I think we finally have it. Right? Halloween 2018 might at some point become part of my headcanon. That's, that's just where we are with this. Now, for those of you who don't know, Halloween 2018 basically marks the return of Jamie Lee Curtis to the Halloween franchise. And this isn't necessarily the momentous event that it might have been because... You know, yes, it is Jamie Lee Curtis returning to the role that made her famous 40 years ago, but the thing is, Jamie Lee Curtis returned to that very same role 20 years ago. And so, it's, like I say, it's not not the momentous event that that it might have been. 
And when I say that she returned to the role 20 years ago, of course I refer to Halloween H2O, which is a really fucking stupid name for a movie, but, you know, here we go. It's not Halloween H20, apparently. It's Halloween H2O. And... As I said, Halloween is one of those film series that very much depends upon the viewer's headcanon. And so, at the time that Halloween H2O came out, the movie was basically intended to be regarded as the new Halloween 3. You know, you've got Halloween, the first one, Halloween 2, and then, if your headcanon allows for it, Halloween H2O is the new Halloween 3. And... In a lot of ways, you know, I mean, I do somewhat enjoy Halloween H2O. I mean, no, it's not perfect. And I do think there are times when it does kind of ride the wave a little bit of the late 90s slasher revival, which honestly, some people enjoy and some people don't, you know. But there there are definitely, definitely times when Halloween H2O is basically... A, in some ways, you can kind of consider it to be just another late 90s slasher film. And, as I say, you know, the place that this occupies in the canon, it's pretty much, well, either it's the, it's your Halloween 3, or it's nothing at all. And so, there is a very limited degree to which I wouldn't really blame somebody if they don't want to add Halloween H2O into their headcanon as the new Halloween 3. And when Halloween 2018, when news about this sort of came out and, you know, I mean, like I said, I avoided spoilers for this thing in a big way, but, you know, there are certain things that are, that are going to be revealed just in the trailers. And one of the things that kind of came out in, in the trailers is as Halloween H2O was considered, was supposed to be considered the new Halloween 3 back in 1998, Halloween 2018, this is the new Halloween 2, if you want it to be. And that actually works for me really well because what Halloween, like a, a major part of Halloween H2O you cannot get away from this in the movie is that uh, Michael Myers is Laurie Strode's brother. They're, they're related to each other and that is a foundational element of the plot of Halloween H2O, right? And that, that single plot point is not the reason, that, or at least that's not the sole reason that I dislike Halloween 2. It's not. But it doesn't really help Halloween 2's cause, in my opinion, you know? One of the reasons that I've always had kind of a, a, a narrow view of Halloween's canon is, honestly, a huge part of that is this really idiotic idea that somebody had of making Michael and Laurie brothers. You know? It, that has just never worked for me. That has never worked for me. I like the idea, as suggested by the first Halloween movie, that one night Michael Myers just 
fucking went on a killing spree. And that's all there is to it. And that Lori Strode was basically, depending on how you look at it, she was either in the wrong place at the wrong time, or she was in the right place at the right time. You know, it's kind of a subjective thing there, I suppose. But either way, she's there by happenstance. You know, she and her circle of friends, they weren't, they weren't specifically targeted, Lori especially, not specifically targeted so much as, like I say, wrong place, wrong time. And I don't know why that just works better for me than Lori and Michael being fucking related. I just, I've never liked that. I've never approved of that. And one of the things that becomes pretty apparent pretty quickly with Halloween 2018 is that Halloween 2018 is taking place in a context where Lori and Michael are not related to each other. One of the uh, trailers even makes that explicitly clear. There's a scene in the movie where one character tells another that, you know, well, I heard that they were that they were related, and then another character says, no, that's not true. That's just something that somebody made up, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this makes it very clear that canonically, Halloween 2018 is taking place in a context where you've got the first Halloween movie, and that's it. And so instantly I was intrigued by all of this, if for no other reason than one of the major problems and gripes that I've always had with the Halloween series has been addressed. You know, that's been taken away, that's taken off, off the table. And so interest, you know, instantly that had me kind of interested in in the movie, right? But there was something else. You know, I know that it's it's kind of, at least to me anyway, it, this is almost becoming a bit of a kind of a cliched plot point for a lot of movies, but it's like fucking, you know, everybody has PTSD these days about something, you know? And so it, in some ways, it's it, you know, seeing that in... You know, or seeing it again in live action or in a movie or something like that. It can be a little bit annoying, you know, because I'm just going to say it, you know, uh, it seems like I say everyone has PTSD these days. And guys, in the great majority of cases, I don't think I buy it. I really don't. Having said that, Laurie Strode's PTSD actually makes quite a bit of sense and this actually is one of the things that's kind of bothered me about horror movies and slasher movies for a pretty long time is you have these characters that go through these really horrifying really traumatic experiences that I'm sorry would fuck anybody up in a big way anybody and yet it's like they don't really seem to be all that affected by the weird, crazy, really traumatic things that happen to them. You know, they just don't seem all that affected by it. And I'll give Halloween H2O credit that in that movie, again, a major element of Halloween H2O is that Laurie has been carrying the psychological baggage of 
of what she experienced in, in Haddonfield, she'd been carrying that with her for all these years. And it was starting to affect her relationship with her son. You know, it had already affected somewhat her relationship with her boyfriend. And it obviously would affect Lori uh, on a uh, personal level that she cannot get over this. You know, she's basically a functioning alcoholic and as persuasive and compelling and dramatic as a lot of that stuff might be, as I say, it's still happening in a context where Lori is Michael Myers' brother and that just does not work for me. And what we see here in Halloween 2018, here once again, Lori's PTSD makes all the sense in the world. But the other thing is, she's sort of gone the other way with it. In Halloween H2O, Lori is basically, she's, she's functional, but fearful. You know, she's able to live a life, but she's not truly able to move forward. And that's not really what we see in Halloween 2018. In Halloween 2018, <clears throat> Lori is, she is not defeated. I want to be clear about that. But Lori's life basically comes down to one thing. You know, her existence revolves around one thing. And that is Halloween night back in 1978. That's it. And everything that's happened in the ensuing years is basically Lori. Basically, she's trying to prepare for a rematch that deep down inside, I think she knows has to come, right? And notwithstanding the fact that She's been through this really horrifying, traumatic ordeal. No one should have to experience anything like this. She was lucky to escape with her life the first time. Yet, here she is, basically structuring her life around the firm, but not really proven belief that Michael Myers is going to come back. And, at least at first, what we... What the viewer is kind of led to uh, led to believe is that Lori believes that Michael is gonna is gonna come after her again. That's basically the pitch of the movie. At least that's what, like I say, that's what viewers think before the movie really starts getting underway. That Mike, uh, that uh, Lori is afraid that number one. That, Michael Myers is going to escape again and go on another killing spree. And number two, she's going to be in his crosshairs, right? That's what the viewer is led to think. And I'm going to circle back to that plot point in just a little while, but I want that floating around in the, in the uh, back of your mind right now. <clears throat> We're supposed to believe that Lori thinks that she might be targeted by Michael if he ever escapes again, right? Superficially, that seems to be the paradigm that she's dealing in. And we'll circle, but like I say, we'll we'll circle back to that in just a few minutes. But uh, to kind of talk about a few other things about the movie first, there are, I'm going to be honest with you guys, and I don't really care if you agree with me or if you disagree with me, 
I agree with me, and that's really the only thing I'm concerned about. There are a lot of really just fucking annoying trends that are happening in a lot of mainstream media these days. Naming some of them will gain me absolutely nothing, and in fact may actually win me a bunch of unnecessary enemies. But suffice it to say, there are certain trends that are happening in 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 Hollywood that I think are just completely fucking asinine. I'm sick of having this stuff crammed down my throat every time I turn around. And one of the more annoying trends that's happening in in film right now is this whole kind of rah-rah girl power thing. And I'm going to be honest with a lot of you guys. I've heard of uh, Mary Sue's <clears throat> for a really long time. But it seems like in the great majority of cases that any time said that, you know, so-and-so character was a Mary Sue, <clears throat> I just, I didn't necessarily see it or I didn't necessarily agree with that or, you know, just whatever, right? And to me, it, it, it felt like in, in the great majority of cases when somebody said that so-and-so character is a Mary Sue I couldn't quite help thinking that whoever it was that said that was kind of speaking from the standpoint of novelty. Wow, I just discovered this this new term, Mary Sue, so I'm going to use it about every fucking buddy all the time. And that was the old days. These days, Jesus H, <laughs> I see a lot of fucking Mary Sues that are running around in, in, in media these days. And if it sounds like I'm trying to find a way to uh, reference Rey from Star Wars without actually referencing Rey from Star Wars, that would in fact be because I'm trying to find a way to reference Rey from Star Wars without actually naming Rey from Star Wars. So, geez, that character is just fucking annoying. And, you know, I can't help thinking that maybe I would actually like Rey a little bit better if she was played by any other actress, but it's like, it's kind of like the perfect one-two combo that she's annoying as fuck and she's played by Daisy Ridley. It's like, geez, that's... <laughs> wow. So, like I say, this whole kind of Mary Sue thing, it's just fucking all over the place these days. It's like... I remember... Just to kind of extend the Star Wars analogy for just a minute, you know, all of the things that Luke Skywalker had to struggle for fight for, work for, bleed for in a lot of cases, Ray just kind of picks it up. Oh, okay, yeah, all right, this is cool. I, I got this. All right, all right, I, I, I can do this. And it just fucking comes to her, you know? You know, Jedi training that took Obi-Wan Kenobi until his mid-20s to complete, uh, the kind of crash course Jedi training that Luke Skywalker underwent that took him like a minimum of like three or four years uh, to complete. Ray just picks it up just like that. No problem. That's probably one of the best examples that's going in media today. And for some reason, you cannot write women in popular media any other way. You cannot do it. And so I wondered how all of this uh, Mary Sue stuff combined with the just this rah-rah girl power thing that seems to be all over the place in media as well, how all of that's going to shake out 
in this movie. And I got to tell you, you know, yes, Halloween 2018 has a little bit of that girl power thing going for it. But unlike, maybe this is the best way to put it. Unlike 99% of other media, Halloween 2018, this is kind of a, this is an earned thing, right? They, this is a, this is a logical extension of what happened in the first Halloween movie. All these years that Laurie Strode has been not, I mean, yes, living in, living in fear, but not just fear. She's been living in paranoia and she's basically, she's a prepper is what it comes down to. And she has, she has spent the, the 40 years between Halloween 1978 and Halloween 2018. She spent those 40 years preparing. She's been preparing for this night. You know, God forbid it should ever happen. And training with, well, actually just first, collecting a shit ton of guns, training with guns, um, creating a little bit of a compound, and basically preparing herself, and as best she can, preparing her family for the worst. And... It's like on the one hand, yeah, there's a little bit of that girl power stuff that's in here. But number number one, that's that's like I say, that's not exactly alien to to uh, the Halloween series. And number two, it really is earned considering everything else that's that's happened kind of in universe here. All in all, there's not really a whole lot of SJW politics that are going on in this movie, at least nothing. Nothing too blatant. I mean, again, it's like you can't make a fucking movie anymore without having some kind of left-wing fucking commie agenda behind it anymore. And honestly, the most annoying thing in the entire world is when some fucking SJW prick comes along and says, well, to me, this isn't really political. I mean, to me, this is just, this is just moral. It's like, fuck you and the hypocrisy you wrote in on, you fucking douchebag. So anyway, I'm going to get a sip off my Coke. I'm also going to get some vapor here, too. Now, one of the things that I really like about Halloween 2018, apart from everything, is is how this is kind of a generational confrontation with Michael Myers. I mean, yes, on the one hand, this is definitely Laurie's battle. That much is clear. But on the other hand, I mean, there are no less than three generation, uh, three generations of Strodes, basically, who have their little moment with Michael Myers and they come out on top. Now, obviously, the, the most... Uh, obvious is Laurie herself, right? Uh, and, uh, and the most probably in-depth, you know, the, 
the the battle that gets fought I don't know, most prominently in the film is between Laurie and Michael. This much is clear, but the fact is, you know, Dana has her moment with with, with Michael Myers and even uh, and you know, Dana, that is Laurie's daughter, but even Allison, uh, Laurie's uh, granddaughter, she has a very brief moment with with Michael as well. They all in their own ways then for varying lengths of time have their own showdowns with with Michael Myers and they all three come out on top now yes Allison's is like blink and you miss it she basically you know hacks at Michael with a knife in order to, to, to free her mother but still she has her showdown brief though it may be with Michael and she comes out on top and it's kind of this interesting you know generational dynamic it's done in a way that doesn't make Michael look weak or less dangerous or less deadly or anything like that it's it's basically it's done in a way that basically makes everybody involved mad bad and dangerous to know you know everybody looks strong even though the same guy keeps losing all of these different little showdowns and whatnot, you know? And speaking of showdowns, you know, I've always kind of wondered, you know, how would, how would Michael Myers or Jason or whoever, how would they fare in a situation where they're a known commodity? You know, somebody knows that they're coming and... <clears throat> they've prepared accordingly. Now, in some ways, it's kind of surprising that Laurie Strode hasn't done more to prepare for for Michael Myers, you know, in the sense of, <clears throat> uh, you know, creating, like, booby traps or, or, or something like that. And, you know, whatever. You, you can't have everything. But, you know, how would things play out, you know, if... If the target is aware of the fact that, hey, it may come to this someday, I'm going to start preparing for it now, and then it does come to that someday, you know, are they going to actually be in any better position? And the answer to that is <laughs> yes. Uh, there's a very strong argument that the only reason uh, Laurie Strode survived this movie, she and her family survived this movie, is because she spent those 40 years preparing, building, training, and in some ways, or a lot of ways, really, suffering. Those things made it possible for Lori, her daughter, and her granddaughter to survive, you know? And I just really dig that, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of neat. Now, it does need to be said that, you know, this movie... One of the things that really works for me about it is that it's conceptually very simple. Myers escapes after 40 years and goes on a killing spree, right? I kind of touched on this before, but I want to make it a little bit more explicit here. There's no stupid backstory. There's no retarded character motivations. There's no unnecessarily uh, unnecessary uh, familial relationships. There's just really there's just no bullshit, you know. It's just Myers escaping after 40 years and going on a killing spree. That's it. 
But the other thing about this that works for me is that as the movie progresses, you know, Michael Myers takes real damage. I mean, he gets maimed in some cases and he bleeds. And notwithstanding those facts, this movie is light on gore. But Myers gets a couple of his fingers blown off in uh, his uh, confrontation with with Lori. And she basically shoots him with a... Sh- well, she shoots him in the hand with a shotgun. And so, as a result, he's missing a few fingers. Now, this vulnerability was, I think implied in the previous Halloween series, but we never really saw anything quite like this, where Michael Myers, he doesn't just get shot and now he's got blood coming out of a bullet hole in his shoulder or his chest or his leg or wherever. He's actually losing body parts at this point. You know, he's getting maimed, he's bleeding, and all of that kind of raises the question, you know, originally And I touched on this a few minutes ago, and I said we'd come back to it. Well, now we're coming back to it. You know, the the movie wants you to think that Laurie Strode is kind of living in fear of the possibility that Michael Myers might escape and go on another killing spree and target her in the process. And as the thing unfolds, what you realize is... Lori isn't necessarily afraid of being targeted again. Her real fear is that she's going to miss her chance. You know, she's going to miss her chance to kill Michael Myers when he escapes, as she knows he will, and when he goes on another killing spree, as she knows he will. When that happens, she's not going to be around to shut him down. And it kind of raises the question, in this film... Who is hunting whom? Because there comes a point where the the position of hunter and prey, as we saw it in the first Halloween movie, those things get kind of reversed in this movie, where Michael Myers thinks he's subdued Laurie. Something captures his attention for just a sec, so he looks over his shoulder. When he turns back to search for Lori, she's gone. She's not where he left her. And it kind of raises the question, like I say, who's hunting whom? And what you realize is maybe, maybe Lori is hunting Michael now. You know, he's not necessarily hunting her. The movie starts and Michael Myers makes his escape and he goes on a killing spree and this is just the standard killing spree that Myers is going to go on you've seen it before he's just going door to door or not necessarily door to door but he's going from one house to another finding people that look like they're vulnerable taking them out and moving on to the next house no fuss no muss and so he gets interrupted in all of this by Laurie Strode. She finds him, and she even takes a shot at him. And that kind of begins this sort of one party hunting the other one thing that goes on between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers in this movie. And again, not trying to beat this to death, but it's fair for the viewer to ask, who's hunting whom exactly here, you know? So... 
Anyway, all in all, I just, I, I enjoyed this movie a lot more than I thought that I would. I don't know yet if I'm ready to include this in my, my Halloween canon. This is, uh, I don't know, I mean, it's, it, it, it's a, uh, it, it's a lot of fun, but I think, I think I'm going to need some time to live with this movie for a while and just kind of figure out, you know, where, if at all, this figure, this figures into my head canon. Is this actually canonical for me, you know, and I don't know, but I at least wanted to throw all of that out there. So, um, anyway, happy new year. So I think that's pretty much it for me for right now. So bye everybody. I will see you next time. So I think that's just about the end of that. Trennis Magnus Punches Reality is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. You can find the home for Trennis Magnus Punches Reality at twotruefreaks.com. You can also find this show on Facebook just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. There you can interact with your fellow listeners and also see notifications of new episodes when I put them up. My Facebook group is the only official place where you can find everything that has anything to do with this show. The reason for that is because I despise Twitter. Pretty much everything about Twitter sucks. So, join the Facebook group today. Speaking of Facebook, you can friend me just by searching for Trentus Magnus, which is spelled T-R-E-N-T-U-S-M-A-G-N-U-S. You can email me and my parole officer at trennismagnus at gmail.com. But remember, all feedback and correspondence emailed to me will be read on mic unless you request otherwise. So, if your email isn't intended for public consumption, don't forget to say so. Otherwise, I'll assume that you want your correspondence to be heard by my dozens, and dozens, of fans across the world. Do you have a suggestion for a topic? feel free to email me, and I might consider thinking about the possibility of potentially discussing whatever you have in mind someday. And that's a promise. Since we're on the subject of feedback, Trentus Magnus Punches Reality can be found on iTunes just by searching for Trentus Magnus Punches Reality. Won't you take a moment to rate my show on iTunes? That helps new listeners find the show. And just in case you don't think that I've given you enough shit to click on just yet, you can sponsor my show simply by going to twotruefreaks.com. There you can find the PayPal button, donate any amount at all, specify that you're sending Magnus some monetary love, and you will be an official sponsor of my show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there's no minimum donation. Be a Trennis Magnus show sponsor today. I don't have a Patreon. Because if you think that I hate Twitter, boy, just wait till you hear what I think of Patreon. 
So if you want to throw some bucks my way, the Two True Freaks PayPal link is the way to do it. The contents of this podcast are fictitious, hypothetical, and probably completely unnecessary. Any similarity to living persons or real-life events is purely coincidental and void where prohibited by law. Some assembly required. Batteries not included. Many will enter. Few will win. The white zone is for passenger loading and unloading only. All models are over the age of 18. Trinus Magnus Punches Reality is a Magnus Media Enterprises Limited production in association with Demonsecor of Milan, Italy. Mm-hmm.